Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. As always, it's the usual with me hosting Jaffa and we've got Ali Qudama and Daud is always the full complement of the co-hosts. Another week where the main focus is going to be on the Champions League, but we'll always kick it off with the new trivia round. Now, obviously, these haven't been too difficult because I don't want us to be stuck there all day. And uh, this week is, is not really difficult either, but the choices are obvious, but the correct answer might catch you out. So I want to ask if anyone knows who's won the Turkish first division title the most times? Galatasaray. Dowd gets another one. See, there we go. Oh, wow, t- <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. The two obvious uh, answers, obviously, uh, Ali, you went for the wrong one. Dowd went for the right one. That's the second correct answer for Dowd. So he's Damn. leading. It's uh, Dowd ah. with <laughs> two correct answers, Khodemo with are, one. Are, and, you, uh, are, you, are you sure of that? Yeah, you can Google it now if you want, if your phone's next to you. What's VAR booth saying? You know, the funny thing is, I understand why Ali thinks it, because when I looked it up, right, I had to learn some Latin phrases, some like legal phrases. It says Galatasaray, the most successful Super League club with 22 titles. Yeah, but there's, if you look at it, right... Overall, it's Fenerbahce, yeah, because yeah, I was, I thought it was just the league titles alone. Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, you know, I got the answer wrong. So big deal. Let's move on. Not gonna be a baby about it. <laughs> you do sound, you do sound a little bit hurt. I will be honest. You sound a little. Um, bit hurt. No, no, no. I just, I just, I just heard. Yeah, I thought it was just the league titles alone. That's all. If you talk about trophies, then it's a different matter. No, no, I, I did say I did say league titles alone, and the answer is still Fenerbahce. If you look it up, right? Because right here it says it's twenty-two titles. Galatasaray got the most. Right. Okay, we've got our first controversial question slash answer this week. Where the VR? Come on, lads. What's going on? Has there ever been a rebranding? No. Well, the thing is, what I mentioned before about the legal phrases, right? It said that the de facto answer, and there's the de jure answer. I've never even heard the term de jure before. But it said that Fenerbahce has got the most titles when when I looked it up. So, if there's any Turkish fan listening who wants to really contest this, please let us know, and then we'll see who's got the right answer. We'll we'll leave it at that. I'm glad we caused a bit of controversy with it. But if getting into the Champions League, obviously, I'm not going to spend too much on the Tuesday games because let's be honest, they were pretty dull. Like if, as far as Champions League drama goes, where you had that Porto Juve match, this was far from it. So the first one was Man City beating uh, Mönchengladbach two 0 Comfortable 4 0 aggregate victory to go through to the next round. I mean, th- the main story here, I suppose, is that Guardiola usually always puts out these weird lineups and and it comes, uh, you know, comes back to bite him in the Champions League. But on this occasion, I just feel like it it sort of doesn't really matter what Guardiola put out. Uh, Mosh and Gladbach are in such a bad run of form with the whole Rosa to Dortmund thing and, and just their squad just doesn't feel motivated. So, um, was Khodem? I'll come to you on this one. Um. Is, is this just a routine win for Man City or is it a sign of things to come for them in the later rounds at all? No, I think it's a good sign, but they were the clear favourites throughout the entire tie. So it's not, you know, a major positive. Um, it's not a really huge turning point in Guardiola's Champions League career with Manchester City. Um, it seems like Marco Rosa's kind of, you know, he's he's at that stage where if you're in an office job, it's, you know, lunchtime on a Friday and you're just, you're coasting until the end of the work week. You he knows he's got his job secured in, in Dortmund and I don't know, they've been in free fall ever since that announcement. So on top of the huge task they already had against them, 
in Manchester City. Their form has not helped either. And it was just by the end of the tie, it was, you know, one clear winner. And there was only, you know, positives you could say for Manchester City and negatives from uh, Gladbach. I think the they barely tested uh, Edison, and yeah, I think uh, they're, they're already looking ahead at next season. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, as, f- as far as Man City goes, obviously we're going to get into the draw later on and, and discuss their prospects in, in that particular context. But um, what about Kevin De Bruyne? Because I think up up to now, he's had quite an injury-disrupted season. It seems to be happening quite a lot, but he scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Do you think that Man City's Champions League hopes depend on him staying fit, or could they do it without him? I don't think that they can uh, do it without him. He's, you know, the best player on the team. And, you know, if your best player is missing, your chances are going to, you know, plummet. What what can you say about Kevin De Bruyne? I mean, probably out and out the best midfielder in the world, certainly the Premier League of the last, you know, two or three seasons. You know, you're going to fancy your chances with him in the team. And you're really going to uh, not fancy your chances if, if he's out. I would put see his favourites now, to be honest. I mean, not many, of, either them or Bayern Munich for me. The other clubs just just haven't really impressed and... It's it's there for the taking. Yeah, Ali, what do you reckon about uh, with with Gladbach? Obviously, in terms of their position at the moment in the league, they're tenth, and they're a good way away from the Europa League spots. Never mind the Champions League spots. Do you think that it's going to be pretty much a write off for them uh, in terms of even next year? Like, are they going to qualify for anything good, or has the Rosa Rosa news just basically disrupted them for a while? Man, like like my wife did a couple of weeks ago. This this team, it's a write off like my car. You know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy <laughs> what's going on. You know, like they were doing well. You know, they much of glad back. You know, did well. Got out of their group. They were happy, celebrating. You know, and they get touched up left, right, and centre by Man City. You know, Man City. You know, they just put that put that British. You know, classy automatic car in cruise control and cruise it to the quarters. What else can I really say? There's not much to say that game. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean. It's to me. I'm thinking that Man City is definitely a contender for the for the whole thing, but we'll we'll get into that in more detail when we talk about the draw. So the other game on, on that night was uh, Real Madrid Atalanta. Now the first game was sort of ruined by that red card. Not, I mean, we, we all kind of agreed it was a red in the end, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But the that you know when it ruins the ties on the night, this one was you know contested eleven against eleven the whole way through. But in the end, just feels like. Uh, Okay, the, the way I want to frame this match actually is frame it through Luka Modric. The, this guy, right? Can we say positively that he's been the best midf- midfielder in the world, like in the last decade? Like, does he own that title? Do you think? Well, we have to consider Xavi and Iniesta in the last decade as well. You got you got to consider Tony Cruz as well, though. Xavi Alonso. I, th- as well, I, I think uh, Modric is uh, better than Cruz. I have to be honest. Mm. I think he's a, he's a different nah, class. I don't, I don't know. Different Definitely different class. Modric is the only player that fits in, um, you know, you know, the greatest midfield of all time that people always say is Barcelona's trio back in, you know, the, under Guardiola. And Modric is really the only midfielder of the last decade that could really um, slot into that midfield and not look out of place. Yeah, I think for me, he's head and shoulders above Tony Cruz. His longevity is unbelievable. And he just he's been world class for so long that even when he's, you know, when he started to slow down a little bit, it's been barely noticeable. I mean, credit, yeah, I would agree. Best midfielder of the last decade. I don't know. I don't know. Xavi. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, you know, Tony, like Tony Cruz is I know is a bit of a luxury player. Um and... the thing the thing about the decade is that we say from twenty ten to twenty twenty, his he's been amazing at World Cup pretty much that entire time period. Whereas Xavi and Iniesta, obviously due to age, it's not because they, they went bad or anything like that. It's just 
they, they sort of were, especially Chavez, I think he was late 90s where he really started coming into the game. And uh, Iniesta was, uh, you know, slowing down, went to Japan in the end. I just feel like being at the top of your game, and, and obviously he won the Ballon d'Or as well, whatever you have to say about that particular award and, and all that kind of thing. But See, that's a different debate, though. If you want to talk about actual, you know, who's been successful, and it's Tony Cruz. He's won stuff at Bayern Munich, won a Champions League there as well. He's won stuff at Real Madrid. On top of that, unlike Modric, he's actually won the damn freaking World Cup in 2014. You know what I mean? Then you want to talk about other, other midfielders. You could talk about Bastian Schweinsteiger. You've got many others which can, you know... I personally think which are better than Modric, in my opinion. You know, so Schweinsteiger better than Modric. I'm not having that, by the way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, than yeah. I'm I'm yeah. a big fan of Bastian Schweinsteiger, so you know. Um, he was a, he's, he was a he was a more of a different player than. Um, yeah, but you talk about you you talk about a midfielder. Obviously, Schweinsteiger is a box to box midfielder, and you know Van Hal somehow changes positioning and whatnot. You know, if you yeah. talk about overall midfielder, Schweinsteiger should be in that conversation. I don't know. Like, I feel like um, similar to how Xavi's best years came towards the tail end of, you know, the, not the last decade, but the decade before, you know, around 2008, 2009, 2010. It's um same thing with Schweinsteiger. You, obviously, quality midfielders. But if, like Jaff said, where's the cutoff point for this discussion? If we're talking about the last decade, then, you know, Modric has been around at the top level for, for all of it, whereas those players haven't. So you'd, you'd have to give it to him based on, you know, longevity alone. I agree. And Barcelona signed the wrong Croatian. And they thought they might be getting Modric light with Rakitic. Obviously, didn't work out. He <laughs> was second, great. For yeah. a second, I thought you were going to talk about Alan Halilovic. Who's, That's uh, what I thought. Rocked up at Birmingham City, of all places. So you can see how his career went, fortunately for him. Um, just to mention something about this game in particular, the, the Atalanta Real Madrid game. Um, Vinicius, right? So he's he's a very polarizing player, even amongst his own teammates. Apparently, with the way Benzema went uh, off on him the other the other month, and uh, did everyone see that miss that, that I'm about to bring up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Vinicius. The t- I mean, he's only 20 years old. We should always caveat that. Qadam, I was just wondering, Qadam, do you think when you watch him, do you think he's got the makings of someone that in two or three years he'll make strides in his match to the point where he's going to be considered one of the best wingers in the world? Or do you think there's a certain deficiency to his game where you know, no matter how long he plays, it just seems like it's a stumbling block he may not necessarily get over. I mean, I, I don't want to give you the boring answer, but every player is different. We've, we've become accustomed now because of Ronaldo and Messi and Mbappe and Haaland and, you know, all these amazing talents that hit the ground running and almost reached the peak so quickly that we're kind of forgotten that for the majority of players, you know, almost like 99% of players, you know, they need time to progress and develop, as you know, throughout their career. Vinicius is definitely lacking in terms of his, you know, output in front of goal. But if you remember, you know, a certain player that was at my, uh, Dortmund at the time, you know, Lewandowski, he he was a bit of a meme for his finishing. If you remember, the guy couldn't hit a bond uh, uh, at the start of his uh, Bundesliga career. And look where he is now, you know, scoring, you know, 33 goals in, in 23 uh, league games. I think Vinicius has all the tools to, uh, you know, needed to succeed. I think he just needs a bit of time. He's clearly not in the same mould as uh, Mbappe and Haaland and all these other young talents that are, you know, straight away excelling. But I have no doubt that he'll he'll be the top uh, of world football. He's just, he's too good to fail, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think I think there's one one aspect of it is I feel like he needs a better supporting cast around him. It might sound a bit silly to say because Real Madrid are ridiculously successful, but Benzema, okay, Benzema's a very consistent player, but I feel like the supporting cast around Vinicius isn't the best really. Like, uh, you know, he's 
it's a lot easier for players like him to come through to a world-class team, play a bit pot role off the bench and, uh, you know, get better with time, maybe even a loan spell. But because of sort of Real Madrid's squad management at the moment, he's finding himself as a key piece in the team, always on the left wing. And I, I just feel like with his Asian experience, he should not be having such a pivotal role in a side like that yet. So I think yeah. it, that might, I mean, to, to be fair, it might give him a long-term benefit. But for now, it, it's going to give him some harsh nights and some harsh reviews from journalists and fans where, you know, he's he's going to miss something like that. And obviously, it wasn't costly against uh, Atalanta, who, to be honest, I, I expected a bit more from Atalanta. I always thought like they're a potential banana skin in the Champions League, the way they've been in recent years. But um, it, Which leads me on to my next question on this match, which is going to be the last one for, for this one. Do you guys think that Atalanta is coming towards the end of their cycle in terms of like uh, being a Champions League uh, sort of quality uh, late round threat? Or do you think it's just sort of, uh, are they going to cement their place? And I mean, at the moment in Serie A, they are fourth, which obviously would qualify for them for Champions League. But Roma and Napoli are on their heels. They're only like a couple of points behind and Napoli's got a game in hand on them. So especially with the fallout of Papa Gomez and Gasparini and, and all that kind of thing. Do you guys think that we're, we're, we're sort of nearing the end of the Atalanta cycle of them being a top Champions League club? I think I think you hit it on the nail, didn't you? The fallout of Gasparini and Papa Gomez. They were really pivotal in bringing them up to a standard and bringing the other players up to a standard as well. Um, you know, the, the, these players have been there for a while and, yeah, they've got a few good talents. Zapata is probably some someone they can't lose. He's, he's so, you know, he, he's as good as Lukaku on, on um, you know, 90% of the time. He's just crazy good at, um, at the moment and um, players like that if they if they slowly keep losing them to the bigger uh, teams or a team that offers them um, you know another adventure for example like Everton isn't a, isn't a team that is in the Champions League yet but they've got aspirations you know projects like those where a lot of these players look like they could bring most of their potential out in those type of clubs then uh, yeah I see them slipping down to mid-level uh, mid-tier uh, club in Syria. I don't know what you guys think. I just want to ask, was Gomez captain of Atlanta or not? I believe he was, yeah. I think I think he was the captain. See, that might be a key factor there. You know, you lose your captain, you know, and you're thinking, okay, what's going on? Because obviously, he might have kept that team consistent and together himself, you know, being a leader on and off the pitch. It's a big thing. I'm going to have to disagree, to be honest, about the, you know, the sentiments you guys are making about Atalanta. Yeah, there's you know questions to be asked about um, what happened with Papu Gomez, and I don't think we actually ever got the full story of that falling out between him and Gasparini. So, you know, if it was something that is common with the manager, you would see it throughout his tenure at the club. And you know, he's got really good relations with the squad, from what I've I've read, and you know, what I can see about the team. I think Atalanta now are still establishing themselves as a uh, frequent uh, member of you know European football. No, like, and their debut in the Champions League was only last year, wasn't it? And they made it quite far it into was. the knockouts, and you know they've made it into the round of sixteen again. So they're clearly not just there, you know, to enjoy the experience. They're there to make a mark and try progress as a club. And you know, you have to remember that this is a club that's, you know, almost on the ascendancy of its, uh, you know, status in terms of its, you know, finances. These deep runs are only going to help them. So I don't, I don't think we've seen the last of Atalanta in the Champions League. I think. You know, Gasparini is a great manager. And to be honest, I think the biggest downfall for them was the fact that they kind of didn't stick, you know, with their values as a, as a club that, you know, goes all out attack, you know, fast paced football. They tried to play it a bit more, 
I think reservedly against Real Madrid and it's come back and, and, and bitten them because they weren't used to that style and you know they had some injuries as well I think Zapata started on the bench and Ilicic started on the bench so they weren't really at full strength and it was individual mistakes that cost them as well you know the keeper Sportiello didn't really you know bask himself in in glory on the night so I, I think we'll see Atalanta again yeah. I'm, I, I like them as a club you, ne- pretty you never know though um what happens if Roma somehow win a Europa League and get a Champions League spot? Does Atlanta fall out then? What actually happens? Well, I think there's the, the Conference League, I think, is going to start the following season. So they'll probably land somewhere there at worst, if not the UA for you know, the Europa League, sorry. Okay. Right. I, just, I just need confirmation now because obviously if we're talking about a Champions League club at Atlanta or is he just someone who's competing in Europe? So I well, um, I don't think they'll uh, lose their Champions, Champions League spot. League. Would they lose their Champions I, League I spot? I don't know if they would or not if Roma won a Europa League. They might. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, they, that's true. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, they could end up being in a Tottenham situation from 2012, I suppose. But I, I agree with Khudama, Like they, they, they bring such a nice uh, sort of added element to European football with their style that you'd hate to see them, you know, uh, sort of be out of the Champions League spots. Now, uh, sticking with, you know, talks about styles of football, we'll move on to Wednesday's match where, uh, you know, Chelsea... So of Atletico Madrid, which I think when the draw was made, I mean, I said that I favoured Chelsea, but a lot of you guys were saying, no, it's going to be Atle- Atletico's really. In the end, it was really, really easy for Chelsea, I have to be honest, especially yeah, that, that second leg. Like, do you guys, the, the main question I've got from this one, do you guys think that Diego Simeone has sort of looked at the situation in the league where they, they, they lost the un- unbelievable lead that they had over Real Barcelona and thinking, well, I'm going to try and secure the league, so I don't really care too much for the Champions League. I mean, uh, one one sort of reason I'm thinking that is because he took off Suarez at 60 minutes. Uh, if you're chasing the game and you've got Luis Suarez up top, do you really take him off? So, yeah, I mean, any, anyone can answer this for me. Do you guys think Atletico Madrid actually cared about progressing to the next round? I think it's fair to say that there was an element of that, definitely on the night. I mean, you only have to look at how um, Atletico Madrid were playing well into the 80th minute. They didn't press Chelsea that much and they seemed quite happy to conserve energy. And like you say, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, compounded with taking off your striker. At, what minute was it? Like in the 75th minute or something like that? It was No, it, it was the 60th. 60th. That's, that's how it was. 60th, exactly. Yeah. I don't know how much Luis Suarez could have done anyway. I mean, the guy has the longest uh, streak of not scoring in a way Champions League games in, in uh, you know, in... He's got the record of all time. So the guy clearly has a mental block in front of him when it comes to the knockout stages of the Champions League. He just doesn't provide them what he does in the you know in La Liga. And to be honest, I'm I'm kind of happy for uh, you know personally because I do want to see Atleti win the title. So if this helps them focus on the league more and try you know gain some of that lead that they had again, then then why not? And I think you know Simeone definitely took that into account when he set up his teams against Chelsea because they you know had shades of Conte uh, Conte's Chelsea against Manchester City a few seasons ago if anyone remembers that game where he looked like the he sent out the players with a message of just don't don't give a shit this game and it kind of felt like that with Atletico <laughs> yeah I, mean, I remember that one I mean to, to be fair the, the subs um seem like they the, you know it was just change change in tactics um Korea came on um, Thomas Lamar came on for uh, Kieran Trippi. I know Lamar's been playing more of like a wing back role at the moment, but they're all really attacking players. They 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 shift your your formation up a lot. And I just thought personally, he was just changing up for 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 goals from a different angle um, because it was clear he did need to change something up by then. Um, yeah. Sixty minutes, nothing was really inspiring. Uh, that's why I got from it. 
No, that's a fair take. I mean, to be fair, Simeone said the same as yourself when he was questioned about it. He said, I just wanted to try something different and attack. But for me, it's like when you have your star striker in Suarez and you take him off with half an hour to go, yeah, you can try a different attacking approach. But do you really want to take off like such a signature player for that? I mean, I, I do take on board what you said, Khadama, like his goal scoring record away from home in the Champions League has been atrocious. And you, you would never expect a player like him to have that. That's more of like a like a Maro and Chamak type record, I would, I would imagine. <laughs> Like it's it's such a weird thing for an elite striker like Suarez to have it, and um, on on the night uh, there is one incident I want to go through with you guys. When when Aspilicueta pulled back uh, Carrasco in the box, w- was that a penalty in your eyes? Yeah, I thought it was a penalty. I don't know. You didn't get enough. Obviously, there was contact there, but was it enough for a penalty? It was, you know, it was, so just, it was like a tiny pull. I, like, I don't know. Like like I, like as someone who doesn't want Chelsea to do well, you know. My heart said, yes, it is a penalty, but my mind said, is it really? You know, I was looking for it over a few times. I was thinking, is it, re- is it really a penalty? Is it not? But I don't know. When you mention about the strength of the contact, I feel like there needs to be a clarification in, in, in footballing rules in general, right? Where is it a foul because it's a foul? Or does the contact have to be sufficient enough for a foul? Because he clearly, you know, physically, he pulled them back, right? There's, there's Nobody can deny that. But was it strong enough for it to be a penalty? Or does it even matter that it's strong enough? Because, for example... When Savage got sent off for that elbow, the, the little dig that he did uh, towards <laughs> the end of the game, that that wasn't a very strong elbow either. That was just, I mean, maybe you could argue a case of he was just being physical with the tussle in the box, but no, he got he got sent off straight away, didn't he? I think it was a penalty. Yeah. Uh, you know, what even is a penalty these days? Let's get philosophical. You've seen them given for much less, and a lot, you know, especially in the Premier League. I mean, like you say, you can't deny that you pulled him back and the contact continued into the box or it was completely in the box. I'm not, I can't remember, but, you know, the, def- the the attacker goes down from the defender's challenge. Then for me, that was a stonewall penalty. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I would have given it a penalty. So I think it, it does feel like the Atletico fans aren't really too bothered because it seems that everyone's just sort of accepted their performance was so bad. There's not even any point in getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, was this was this decision correct by the referee or not? It's just a sort of uh, an accepted conclusion that Chelsea were the superior team over the two legs. So we'll, um, I'll round this one off by speaking about Chelsea a little bit more. Obviously, since uh, Thomas Tuchel came in, they've been a lot better, a lot more impressive and barely conceding goals. It seems like he's brought some sort of defensive solidity that they didn't have before. And that's with uh, Thiago Silva out as well. I think they've only conceded one goal to an opposition player since uh, Tuchel was hired. The other goal was an own goal by Rudiger. Um, uh, Daud, in, in terms of like, where you see Chelsea on this one? Are they are they a serious threat for the Champions League, or is the likes of Bayern and Man City still sort of a tier above them uh, for you? I, I would say the way that Tuchel's um, getting Chelsea to play, I, I actually um, I'm a bit encouraged. To be fair, I don't know about you guys. Hakim Ziyech is a fit. A lot of the players are coming back um, into fitness, and they've got a lot of options now. Pulisic came on. He's, he, I mean. He, He's, he's he hasn't had his feet uh, in the last few games, but he's an amazing attacking threat that they can bring on. Um, Ziyech, obviously on his day, amazing. Um, Hudson Odoi, if anything, has really cemented his place. I feel like Tuchel actually really likes um, playing him because he he does offer what a winger should do is make the runs, put the ball in the box, and that's as simple as Odoi is. And obviously, he's got a good finish to him as well. Um, we're obviously Timo Werner. Yeah, he's slightly improved, but I don't know if it's the amount of chances he's getting. And uh, Havertz played yesterday as well, so it's 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 a weird one. Um, if if he gets the best out of all these players, you you'd be hard to argue that actually they've got one of the strongest 
um, mid, well, one of the strongest front three on their day uh, against any of the top top uh, teams uh, with Bayern and Man City. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea fans are going to be really happy that the the first goal was a combination of the front three. It's yeah, that that, that front three hasn't really got going yet. Obviously, there's there's factors like uh, COVID to consider and Havertz's case, but I think the bigger issue at the moment for me is, is the form of Timo Werner has been absolutely not good enough throughout the season. He's clearly a talented player, and he, uh, you know what it is, I, I like it when a player who's struggling for goals still offers a lot of positive things throughout the match anyway. And I'm, I'm not just talking about working hard, but like genuinely being a threat with the runs in behind and the assists. And I, I think that uh, Timo Werner definitely, he holds up his uh, end of the bargain with that. Obviously, at the end of the day, though, in a competition like the Champions League, it's it's the production that matters. So they'll definitely need to score some more goals to, to make headway. But we'll, you know, we'll see how they do. Because as we mentioned earlier, we'll discuss the draw and, and, and what will happen. So the last, uh, last match on the night and the last match of the round 16, Bayern Munich against Lazio, six uh, two on aggregate overall, two one victory on the net for Bayern. I mean, they didn't even need to play Neuer. It's it's sort of should we just say that it's it like expected, right? Like the, the, there was no chance for Lazio, none at all, even when the draw was made. I pretty much said who Lazio was going in for the crack. Um, Bayern Munich were were in their Mercedes Benz. They put it in automatic, put it in cruise control. Took Neuer off. You know, Lazio were in a little shitty little Italian Fiat and just couldn't get past. Past that powerhouse of a car or a football team, it is which we call by Munchen. Great analogy, yeah, it was great analogy. Surely it would be an Audi that surely by Munich would be an Audi given that Audi pays the, with the sponsorship, yeah. yeah, possibly. But you know, um, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, Audis aren't as powerful as you know, the Mercedes, and you know, um, unless they want to take an RA out for a spin, it depends, you know, if Muller wants to take that RA out, he can. No, fair enough. I just wanted to, you know, that analogy you made reminded me of a funny story I saw uh, this week. Did you see that Kingsley Coleman got fined for arriving to train? Uh, yeah, arriving um, to training, not driving an Audi. Apparently, uh, there's a club policy where all players have to drive Audis yeah, to yeah. the training. Yeah, Coutinho got fined. Coutinho got fined last season for it. He drove a Mercedes instead. And he got fined for that. So, yeah, I, oh, didn't I, know about, I just didn't know about Kingsley Coleman getting fined over oh, it. Yeah, too. So if it, what if uh, his Audi was getting serviced and he had to take an Uber into training? Would that would that get? I'm sure, they've got well? at least five. So probably unlikely that not, none of them were available. <laughs> Imagine that man being part of your job, like driving this unreal car, but then you get fined if you don't, and it doesn't even matter what you get fined because you can afford it anyways. It's a sweet life uh, for the Bayern Munich players. So getting into the Champions League quarterfinal draw, uh, there's honestly some really spicy ties here. Obviously, Manchester City, Manchester City against Dortmund, Porto against Chelsea. Bayern Munich against PSG in a repeat of the final last year and another repeat of a final from a few years ago, Real Madrid against Liverpool. So we'll, we'll break them down one by one. Obviously, there's the semi-final potential matchups have been made as well, but I just want to focus on the quarters for this episode. Uh, Man City against Dortmund. Um, what is your first impression, Kodem, for that one? Are we, do, you, do you think that'll be the, the tie of the round, do you think? Uh, no, I think the tie of the round for me is going to be Real Madrid Liverpool. Um, but Dortmund City is a very uh, exciting prospect of a of a match. You know, you've got two teams that you know favor attacking uh, or can attack really well, and that's always a good thing to see. Especially, you know, it's expected, it's expected in this stage of the Champions League. But Manchester City are ultimately still the favourites. I'd be very surprised to see Dortmund go through. I think a quarter final. Uh, finish would be you know very respectable for them given their domestic season hasn't gone as well as they'd hoped uh i, I don't know it's a, it's an interesting one but ultimately it's it's similar to the last tie where you know you've got an overwhelming favorite 
So I don't really see it as being the most exciting tie. Yeah, I think I think Dortmund go through. Oh wow! I mean, the uh, I'll press you on this one, Ali, because I, my next question was going to be: Do you think that Haaland and his supporting cast can finally be the sort of the attacking team that gives Ruben Diaz and Stones uh, trouble? Because uh, Diaz and Stones in the Man City defense in general has been imperious for pretty much the whole season, apart from maybe the first couple of weeks where they needed to get into rhythm. But uh, Dortmund as a team obviously aren't perfect. They're they're not really challenging buy-in for the league at the moment, and there, there's some deficiencies there. They have to sack their manager. So, but you still believe that in a two-legged tie, they've got enough to threaten that Man City defense? Yeah, um, Haaland, you know, he's English, even though he represents a different country. Once a couple of England, prove a point, right? Jane Sancho, a former Manchester City academy player, wants to come back to England, prove a point. Jude Bellingham, another English player, obviously didn't come from Manchester, came from Birmingham, wants to prove a point. I, I think, I think this is on Dortmund. You know, it's Man City's to lose. But do, I think Dortmund will go through. I think I think Man City are going to win, no no doubt about it. I think it's going to be uh, Haaland and Sancho trying to show their potential suitors for next season. You know, here's me, come and get me. You know, you know all that teasing he, they're going to do with um, uh, trying to score a goal or actually scoring a few and making it a good uh, bout. But yeah, I think it's Man City. I mean, for me, it's uh, Man City. The reason I doubt them is absolutely nothing to do with the squad quality, but it's more of like the mental block, the psychological situation. Every year, they they get this far in the Champions League and something stupid happens. I mean, them. don't get me wrong. I want to give respect to Lyon because they were were a great competitor in the Champions League last year. And obviously, they're doing really well in in the league this year as well. So it wasn't like a fluke. They haven't fallen off. But at the same time, a team with Man City's riches should be embarrassed the way they got knocked out in that tie. Uh, and um, against Dortmund, I would say there's even a bigger threat than, than they had against Lyon. So I, I definitely see where Ali's coming from. But, you know, if this was played on paper, if you simulated this on Football Manager, I'd give it to Man City probably nine times out of ten. But given what happens in, in reality, I just feel like Dortmund should definitely have no fear at all when they approach this uh, this particular fixture. Yeah, but I think, like, you know, the point you made about Manchester City's mentality, I think these things get overblown slightly too much. Um, you know, people do it for the memes or overanalyze, you know, situations in football. It's a very unpredictable sport. And I don't think that one loss or, you know, a couple of losses in the Champions League and the knockout stages, you know, affects Manchester City to the point where they're going into this game thinking like, oh, we're really in the late stages now. And, you know, and they start to get nerves and, and anxiety and they start to crumble. You know, people said the same thing about Paris Saint-Germain. And they made it to the Champions League finally. I think teams that are that good eventually will overcome, you know, these hurdles. The Champions League is a knockout competition and it's so unpredictable. You know, like just because Manchester City have gone out before the final, it doesn't mean like necessarily embarrassing. I mean, it's not like Barcelona, the way they went out. They just had, you know, Guardiola doing his weird tactics and stuff like that. But when they lost to Monaco, they lost to the better team. You know, Monaco is not a European powerhouse, but at the time where they beat Manchester City, their squad was insane. So I, I don't know. I, I don't put too much stock into the previous failures affecting this season. Um, that's a great attacking team. You look at the other attacking teams, or Leon had a great attacking trio at the time with Dembele and uh, what you call him, Depay, and then someone else I can't remember on top of my head right now. Then you had Liverpool, Slapman City as well. You know, you know, you could you could take you could take Man City's defense out. I think Dortmund have a really good chance. Just don't write them off. Yeah, of course, it's not going to be, uh, you know, as much of a like one-sided yeah. affair as, as yeah. you know, as we saw with Bayern Lazio or with um, City against 
Gladbach, but I still think they are the overwhelming favourites. And I back them this season. They just look a bit more like the finished article, finally, to be able to, to go the, all the way to the final, at least. Yeah, I think to me, it, it seems like a 50-50 game, this one. Um, we'll we'll get into the second one, which is uh, FC Porto against Chelsea. And I think before the draw, if you asked Chelsea fans who would be their preferred opponent, they would have probably said Porto. And if you asked Porto fans who would be their preferred opponent, they probably would have said Chelsea. So it's a matchup where probably both fan bases are pretty happy with getting it. Um, you know, straight away when you look at it, you're going to give Chelsea the tag of favourites, aren't you? Because of the league they play in and because of their recent upswing in momentum. But, you know, as we saw against Juventus, you know, say what you want about Juventus, but that, like, Porto showing was heroic. Uh, so many unbelievable performances. Uh, Porto feels like the, the type of team where the emotions of the night are going to carry them through rather than their squad quality. It seems like <laughs> the, the, uh, a player like Pepe, you know, he's, 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 he's the warrior at the back. And remember, a very able sidekick next to him. They've got enough threat up top. They've got a lot of fighters in there. Um, you know, I'd love to sit here and say I think Chelsea are the favourites. But I genuinely think that this could be a potential banana skin for them. I think I can give Porto some sort of hope in getting through, to be honest with you no, guys. I, I disagree with that. The, dif- the difference between Juve and Chelsea is Chelsea have a manager will take the game seriously. Tuchel will take this seriously. I think Chelsea going to steamroll Porto. Oh, you think it's not even going to be a closely contested no. uh, two every time? No, I don't think it is. You know, and I said oh, wow. Paul were going to win against Juve after they were going to beat Juve. So, and they did. Kodama, what's, so, um, what's your take? Do you think that Porto have enough going forward to threaten that really resolute Chelsea defence that we've seen? Uh, you know, I think, first of all, I have to be a bit apologetic to Chelsea because I kind of backed Atletico Madrid to, to beat them quite easily. But I have been impressed with Tuchel and the way he's managed to transform Chelsea in such a short amount of time. The only question mark that remains for me is on that front three. Yes, they all linked up for the goal on the night against Atletico Madrid in the second leg. But, you know, for the price tags, for the ability on paper, for the, you know, reputation and the hype behind them, they need to be doing more. And if Porto manages to shut them out, then I can see them nicking a, a um, you know, a result. I still back Chelsea to do it. But their front three needs to start firing a lot, uh, a lot more consistently if they expect to win convincingly, and you know beyond that to even go past the semis. So yeah, Chelsea favourites for me, but I don't really see Chelsea winning the competition. I know you didn't ask that question, but but, but I know. No, no, that's fine. It, it's fair today. I think for me, when I, when I look at this tie, I feel like that when the two matches we're going to see some ridiculous defensive displays like blocks, clearances, you know, heart on your sleeves type defending with with the profile of the squads. The attack, I'll probably give it to the uh, the edge to Chelsea, especially on reputation, like you said. But reputation uh, has to be backed on the pitch, and it feels like Chelsea aren't doing that yet. Um, by the way, I'm not saying that their attack is as toothless as like 20th in the Premier League or something, but uh, yeah, they need to be doing more. So it's it's going to be really interesting in this one. Again, it's it's a cliche thing to say, but I feel like it's a 50-50 tie, even though I can understand that the general punditry is going to give that one to Chelsea. Um, okay, third one, Bayern Munich against PSG. A replay of the final, but this time we're going to get two legs and that might suit PSG this time because I think over one leg, uh, you'd probably back Bayern again. Obviously, I think this one, the most important thing is the fitness of Neymar, isn't it? Like w- With Neymar, you can see literally any possibility, but without Neymar, you can't really see past Bayern Munich. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on this one, Daud. Yeah, um, I think this is a game that's going to be the most exciting, personally. Um, I I think... Well, I think this is going to be the most even matchup. Possibly, um, I know some people are saying Real Madrid Liverpool is going to be more hard to predict with their, their ongoing issues with um, their form in the league and stuff, and are they going to turn up or not? 
Um, whereas Bayern and PSG, especially Poch, um, well, is wanting to pr- uh, prove something at PSG. Um, and you might put some vigour into the players and say, look, this is your time to shine. And Bayern might um, underestimate them uh, and actually think that they, they can play in fourth gear as they did in the previous match. For me, the biggest worry I've got for PSG is the ease of which Barcelona created chances against them in the second leg. And they were wasted a lot by uh, Usman Dembele. I feel like Bayern are going to be a lot more critical with the likes of Sané, Lewandowski and Thomas Müller. So... Can you guys really say that PSG defence holding up against that threatening Bayern Munich attack? For, for me, the answer is no. No, I don't see this being the most evenly matched tie uh, in the round. I think Bayern Munich are again, you know, I wouldn't say clear favourites, but they are the favourites. Bayern Munich are a team that when I watch them, yes, they've been more inconsistent this season. But when it comes to, you know, when crunch time, you know, arrives, like the game against Dortmund in the league, they have it in them to like kick it up a few gears. I feel like they've almost coasted a bit in the games that they've like dr- uh, dropped points in in the league this season where maybe complacency has started to come in and, you know, Flick hasn't uh, done a good job in, you know, getting the team focused again after winning six trophies. I think that was just a result of how do you keep your team motivated? I don't think the Champions League is going to have that issue. Like, look how easily they dispatched Lazio. I think over two legs, it's going to be even worse for PSG. I kind of, you know, in the final last year, I could have seen them nicking it. You know, the final anything's happen, anything can happen. But over two legs, I think Bayern Munich, their ability is just going to overshine uh, PSG. Neymar or not, I, I see this as going only one way, especially with the form Lewandowski is in right now. Yeah, I think it, you'd be hard pressed to look past Bayern on this one. And a lot of talk about their gears today, all eight of them, as David would, would mention. Um, it's a shame because I think PSG have got uh, like a nice defensive profile. When, when I watch Marquinhos, for example, he's like uh, a Jean Terry light in, in the sense that he's he's the guy that's always doing those hyped last minute ditch tackles and blocks and always uh, get, you know, his organization from the back is unreal. He's, he's been a very underrated player, in my opinion, Marquinhos. Nobody ever talks about him in the breath of like a Van Dijk or, uh, you know, Sergio Ramos. And maybe he isn't as good as those guys, but I definitely think he's just a, a notch below them. And he's absolutely a leader on the pitch. Like they, they lost Thiago Silva, and they they don't really feel any worse for it because he he stepped up in the leadership role. So I, I don't want to dismiss PSG that quickly. I, I just feel like if Neymar's on his game and if Mbappe's on their game, anything can happen. But any injury to one of those two, then it's good night really for PSG. And um, we'll get on to the last one, the last quarter final, which is uh, Real Madrid against Liverpool, which is going to be spicy for many reasons. One of the things I'm wondering about is. When when they line up to you know when they line up with each other in the pre match, do you guys think that Salah's going to shake hands with Ramos or give him the call? Well, didn't shoulder? Ramos tap uh, or like put an arm on uh, <laughs> Salah's uh, Salah's arm in the Ballon d'Or ceremony last year or the one before COVID? Yeah, I thought um, um, so. I don't yeah. see him uh, holding back. Uh, like I said before, this is for me the most interesting tie of the round. Um, you know, a lot of narrative there, you know, with the previous finals and the injury to their star player and whatnot. I think Liverpool have shown, similar to Bayern Munich, that, um, you know, when it comes to the Champions League, they're just a lot more consistent and a lot of uh, their abilities that, you know, you haven't been seeing in the, in the league this season uh, come back and they play without fear. They play, you know, that desire and hunger that you, you're kind of used to. So I would love to see... Liverpool win, and I'm going to back them to win as well. I think Real Madrid, just in attack, they're too too impotent. And I know Liverpool's defence is pretty tragic at the minute. But, you know, they've correct me if I'm wrong, Ali, but isn't your defence starting to come back now? You know, got a few injuries coming back. So if by the time the, the game comes, 
they've got their, you know, three of their back four back, then I can see them going through. No, I don't think that's true because I think uh, Gomez, Van Dijk, and uh, Matip are, are out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think that they're going to get their defense back. Matip it's going to be your typical. I thought Matip was back. Uh, no, he's out the season. No, no. Oh well, then it's, it's going to be uh, Nat Phillips or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or Reese Williams. Isn't it? What's What's your thoughts on this one, Ali? As a Liverpool fan, Percy speaking, I think whoever wins this game will go and win the Champions League, in my opinion. Um... Just because Liverpool's season's a write-off, you know, it's been t- horrendous. Real Madrid haven't been at the best, but obviously they've got Ramos back. So, you know, having having that leadership, it, it changes things. You know, having him, Benzema, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, you know, having a good spine there. You know, there's, there's some leadership there, you know, that could take him through the Champions League to number 14, I believe so. If not, you know, if Liverpool do beat Madrid... It can go to the semi-finals where we face Chelsea, you know, Firmino getting a goal score or something, you know, meeting Mary's buying down a line, you know, three, three nil down a half-time gets buying, you know, a miracle of Istanbul again. Or my, my dreams could be shattered by Madrid just tonking Liverpool left, right and centre. You know, I think what's interesting about this one is that you're going to get a really ineffective attack in terms of Real Madrid joining up against a very weakened defence against Liverpool. And then on the other side, You've got a Liverpool front three who are supposed to be world-class, who are supposed to be thriving and haven't been as much recently against a very, very solid Real Madrid defence because Varane, Ramos, Ferlan, Mendy and, and Dani Carvajal is a great uh, back four. So it it all depends on the form at the time. Like, yeah, it's a bit of a cliche thing to say. If you if you played this match on FIFA or Fubmaja, for example, uh, every team had their full-strength line-up out. I'm going to give it to Liverpool, I'll be honest. Over two legs especially, you know, Van Dijk is such a difference maker. But the way that things are shaping up at the moment... Uh, I don't, by the way, to say what you said before about one of these two will win the Champions League, I actually disagree. I don't think I don't think either of them will. I think there's stronger teams to be found elsewhere. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, there are. But what I'm saying is like, like the history and like, like there, there'll be motivation behind that because they won't have anything else to play for. Well, Real Madrid, Real Madrid have still got the title to fight yeah, for, but, I suppose, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. they do, but. I see Atletico going for that, and I think Real Madrid personally would prefer another Champions League trophy. And personally speaking, if I was a Liverpool fan, saying if Liverpool had to pick between a Premier League or a Champions League, I'd personally take another Champions League trophy, and that's something which is in our hands. Well, let's be honest; it's not like you've got the option to win the Premier League no, this no, year. <laughs> no, no, but what did I mention? I said if we had the chance. So I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, I'm just saying, just saying that, and the Champions League right now, it's it's in our hands. You know, we we can win it, but will we? Well, That's a, a different question. It's it's just that as a Newcastle fan, I saw a, a chance to take a shot at a Liverpool fan, so I had to take it. You know, in that moment, it doesn't come around very often. We don't even get that many chances to shoot in the football match uh, as Newcastle, so you know, I'll take that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's again, I, I definitely take on board a lot of what you guys were saying on this one. Uh, for me. Uh, you know, let's quickly wrap it up by giving predictions because it's always fun. So, first, uh, we'll go back to the first tie uh, where we mentioned. Um, oh, I've forgotten who we talked about first. Man City. Dortmund, Man City. There we go. I'm going to give mine first, and I'm going to give it to. Are we predicting the tie or just the the leg? No, no, just the whole tie. So I think Man City will go through. What about you, Kudema? Yeah, Manchester City for me as well. Ali Dortmund, and then Dowd City. All right. Okay, three versus one on that one. Second one, uh, Porto against Chelsea. I'm going to give it to Porto. I'll, I'll stick my neck out when I'm going to give it to Porto on this one. Kodama? Chelsea. Ali? Chelsea. And Daud? Chelsea. All right, okay. Another three against one. All right, so Bayern PSG. I, I, I want to go last on this one because I don't think I've even made a decision yet. <laughs> Kodama, who's got, who you got on this one? 
Bayern Munich. Ali? Bayern Munich. That you know, I really want PSG, so to go through. What? PSG. But that, that's more out of desire than expectation. Yeah, I know. And, and I, I genuinely think, I don't know, I, I, I think I, I wouldn't be fair if I didn't back with what, what I was saying with Bayern Munich probably being in fourth gear, realising PSG probably aren't as good as they, they need to play it to. So right. I think okay, PSG. I'm going to give it, uh, I'll give it to Bayern. So it's another three against one. There's, there's going to be, each time is going to have someone smarting if, if it goes the right way. But uh, Real Madrid against Liverpool, I'm going to give this one to... Oh my God, I mean, it really depends on who's available. It really does. With the way these two teams have been and, and who keeps getting injured. All right. If the, way thing, if the squads who are available right now stay the same, so like the same injured players and the same available players, I'll give it to Real Madrid. Uh, what about you, Qudem? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, but uh, I, I don't want to. I, I want to do what Daud's doing. I want to try speaking to existence who I want to go through, so I'm going to say Liverpool. Fair enough. Ali, are you going to give us your biased take of Liverpool or do you actually think it'll be Real Madrid? Uh, give, give me a minute to think about it. Let, let Dowd go first. So, uh... All right. Go on, Dowd. Right. Um, I think the pedigree of Real Madrid uh, being in, in the Champions League, uh, you know, the, the chronic winners, they're, they're going to win. All right. We'll wait on uh, Ali to give us his decision then we can wrap things up. Um, you know, like, I do believe Liverpool have a chance. I truly do believe that. But Real Madrid as well, you know, these are two European superhouses. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. Ew. If I'm, if Ew. I'm speaking... I only see Real Madrid. Are they su- are they super power? <laughs> are they superpowers or powerhouses? <laughs> What's this superhouses? <laughs> I don't know. Six man. bedroom. I'll, I'll probably blend it up. Mansions and all. <laughs> yeah, six bedrooms, a thirteen bedroom. You know, if we talk about European European houses, you know, just being the best. Manchester United aren't even in, in there, so doubt. Shut your gob, first of all, right? Let's not talk about you. Let me talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> Percy speaking, I think it's been close tie, and Liverpool are probably going to nick it just with, with the passion. You know, with, with, so we've got, um, yeah, with the passion last club, I think Liverpool going to nick got, it. Brilliant. So we've got an even split on this one with two against two with me and Daoud back in Real Madrid. Um, yeah, that pretty much does it, lads. And looking forward to watching these games unfold. And, you know, we'll talk about the semi finals as they happen. We could have talked about potential matchups, but I feel like there's way too many potential scenarios. Um, as always, Daud, if, if you'd like to wrap us up with the socials. Yeah, thank you again, Jeff, and thanks, everybody. Uh, we've got um, our Facebook group, The Dressing Room. Obviously, um, follow us on there to find out when we release our episodes and find out there um, for the latest as well with what we're doing um, on our YouTube channel and other things going on. And our YouTube channel is The Dressing Room as well. Um, and you can find us on all major uh, podcast hosting platforms uh, the 343 Football Podcast. So, yeah, thank you, guys. It's brilliant. Thank you. Take care. See you.